0: Vent. This is VENT Weekly, a collaboration between VICE
1: and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture.
0: Let's I mean, no, 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 get a
2: cracking. Uh, right, right, right. uh, right, right, right,
0: right. This is VENT Daily, I'm Sophie. I'm part of the Blueprint Collective, a group of creative young people at the heart of Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. We are taking over the last two episodes of this Vent Daily mini-series. For the next two days, we're sharing recordings of some conversations we've facilitated with members of the Blueprint Collective, all about how to educate yourself. Just a heads up, we recorded the audio over video call, so it may sound a little glitchy, but the quality of the conversation is 100%. This is the second half of a two-part conversation. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and have a listen.
3: My mum told me that when she was in school, she was called a monkey. She was called a monkey. Mm-hmm. You're a monkey. You're a monkey. And when was that? My mum was born in the, my dad was born in the 40s. So this is a long time ago. So my dad was called a monkey. Mum was called a monkey in, in England. And I went to school and I remember them calling my brother a monkey. Your brother looks like a monkey, doesn't he? Making mm-hmm. my. These are the teachers, by the way. These are the teachers. And my brother was put on a special table because he was black. And I, they tried to put me on the special needs table, but I'm very close. I mean, it's impossible. I'm like, why am I on the special <laughs> needs table? Yeah. And I, would, and I pushed back because I was taught to use my voice, shout loud. And then you think, so when was that? So this is, we're talking about the 50s now, and then we're talking about the 1970s. I've just told the world how old I am. <laughs> <different
1: things. laughs> and then in the
3: 2010, when I was teaching, 2011, I was teaching for a couple of years. I have had some conversations that would make your ears, honestly. I've been in schools and in classrooms and seen a teacher shout at a child, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you people? This was to a five-year-old. Yeah, you people. You're going to end up in prison just like your dad. I've been in a staff room and I've seen registers. You know, you get your new class and they hold the register up and they say, oh, my God, spot the black. And the teacher, just on the name, spot the black. I've heard teachers saying, oh, my God, Titania. What's wrong with black? What's wrong with these black boys? Why do they stab each other? I've heard some awful things. What was the other one that really made me cry? In A school, there was a child who had displayed some worrying behavior, which yeah. was suggestive of maybe it's an abuse at home and it was written off as cultural. Hmm? Oh, that kind so of dancing and touching normal yourself normal. is cultural. Yeah. yeah. Awful. It's black. It's a black thing. It's what blacks do. So this was again in 2012. <laughs>
0: This is not even like eight years ago. This is not that long ago at all. Like you don't realize how bad it is until you come out of a situation. So you might clock it at first and be like, "Whoa, that was not right." But then when you go home and think about it, or you speak to someone else about it, you realize the severity of what's just happened.
3: Yeah, yeah. That and the a words, aggressive.
1: Yeah. When I used to play netball against different schools, blah, blah, and we had like a team that was predominantly black and all the other schools like white. And they'd be like, oh, aggressive black girls or the, you know, just stereotypes. And it wasn't even us being aggressive, it was just us being passionate, which was mistaken for aggressive because it was just like just something that slipped off the tongue and it made sense to them. And
0: that was what I found the most annoying. And it sticks with you as well, Mm -hmm. that whole aggressive notion. This is something that I was really wanting to ask you guys because I think about it a lot. Do you believe that racism has gotten worse in education, improved or stayed the same since you were, like, all of us were in mandatory education? So we're talking like from when you actually had to be in school. I suppose
3: from the example I gave you earlier from my mum's mm-hmm. life and then what I saw in, in as a teacher, you can see that probably hasn't changed as much as it needs to change. I think it, it's mm-hmm. become different. I think over you know the last three or four decades, racism is less explicit recently it's become yeah. more explicit but i think it's been it's, it's less ex- it's hidden
2: for example like me my have two older brothers they just had the shits time at school then i was mm. fine and then my brother had the shits time at school again it's like what they were black boys and with exactly. my little brother being mixed race he's a mm. mixed black boy he's trouble and that's it's all targeted now it's like they're looking for one specific thing they can pick on and they'll do it i think now it's just hidden like as you guys are saying it's just hidden a lot better than it was in terms of how you can
3: approach it yeah how they approach it sorry and the experiences of boys are always going to be different black boys are it's always going to be different for a black boy than a black girl and you see it in in teachers you see it in classrooms you see it in schools the black girl is is cute or sweet or oh poor thing black yeah. boy immediately is it's almost a fear right fear. Yeah. Because. This fear of, of, of blackness, this fear of black male, this fear of strength and power. Uh, that's, thats what they, it, I, You can see it and, and you wonder where does this come from? Where do these myths and stereotypes come from? But that's why he, your brother's had different experiences to you. Yours was more hidden and more subtle. Mm-hmm. Call me by my surname because they
0: couldn't remember my first. And my name is not even hard, it's Leo. When I was in compulsory education, right, the Black Lives Matter organisation was fairly new. So Black Lives Matter only came really to fruition about 2013, around that time. Do you feel like if it had been created earlier, there might have been a difference now in society or where would we be now, do you think? I mean, that's a a really good
3: question. I said earlier, I think progress has happened. So people have had to hide their racism and they're hiding their racism for a reason because they know it's wrong, because Mm -hmm. they're ashamed of it. That's good. Good that you hide it. We haven't gone far enough. Something feels different now. I think it's really interesting seeing the Black Lives Matter protests as an adult, as someone in their 40s and with parents who are vulnerable, because if this happened two years ago, I'd have been out there marching. I wasn't yeah, able to so. march because I'm looking after my dad and my uncle and vulnerable adults. So what I saw when I turned the news was these, this youth. I just saw this sea of youth and energy, mm-hmm. and we hadn't seen it in that way before. So it just it feels different. It feels, I don't know, it just feels more hopeful. it feels younger it feels more universal it feels more international I'm not just seeing black faces I'm seeing everyone so it just feels different so I'm hopeful
0: I guess like we would say it sounds it feels more sustainable now and long term as opposed to it being like a trend I know some people still view it as a trend now which is unfortunate but I, I feel like like touching on what you said what you said it's it's definitely there has been progress it's just not enough for us to turn around and say, okay, let's give the actual stats out now. Let's put everything out on paper. It's not going to be like that for a very long time.
3: And I don't know, for you guys, I just think Black Lives Matter is just a name. It's the name of the organisation. Black Lives have always mattered. It's not a new thing. People have been speaking out for a long time. And I was thinking, what's the impact of social media on the Black Lives Matter movement? It amplifies it, if anything. I
1: think it's reached from, when I look across my friendship groups, I think it's reached more people than I've ever seen, especially like people that I know from different countries as well that have been getting involved. And I think especially this year, we've been lucky that, not lucky, but obviously everyone ha- everyone's everyone been on a standstill because of COVID, which means that everyone has had the time to actually look reass- look at themselves, reassess, educate themselves, come to terms with what's going on and then also want to push it further and I think that's I think this is why this time specifically has been so impactful because like you said every other year it starts 2013 then we have one in 2015 then 16 a year off then it's climate change then another you know I mean but because you've had such a big sense what everyone's had to be at home in the last four months whatever it's given time I think it's we've finally had the time that we deserve to give this movement recognition I think that's why it's been so powerful and that's why I think people even though it might be a trend you know everyone's Quieting, quieting down now. I think it will still,
3: it will still resonate for, for the rest of the year at least. We're holding everyone accountable, and we're expecting people to
0: hold themselves accountable. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. Like, I feel though as well, it was also this whole pandemic and being on lockdown, like quarantine, that kind of thing. I think it also led to problems like people who genuinely have always been fighting for Black Lives when they finally calm down and it, like, you know, they just like focus on themselves for a little bit because you know times have been tough people who have only started learning about activism would get onto them saying, wait, hold on, you didn't post that black square on Instagram like saying Black Lives (laughs) Matter. You didn't retweet this. That means you're silent. That means you don't care. I'm thinking social media has had such an impact. Like, I'm head of communications for the organization All Black Lives UK as well. But it's also created problems in the sense of it doesn't necessarily show you how much you've been working towards something because I could be going to protests every week. I don't have to post it every single day that's might be something for me personally to be doing. I might be fighting for someone that I know that's died or like, you know, it just depends. It's situational. So I definitely feel like it has impacted positively, but it's also created this like group of people that think they're better than everyone. Like, cause they're doing their activism online and promoting everything, which is great because it brings awareness, yeah. but then it also ties into the whole, are you doing it because you just want to show off that you're doing it? Or yeah. are you doing it because you genuinely care about it? Regardless, press is press but you know if your intention isn't there then it's a bit so i guess like going forward now now that everything's dying down we're still predicting like a second wave i guess with coronavirus but let's say for arguments say this is not going to happen or it happens and it's over pretty quickly what would be the next steps in uh black lives matter into training or um cpd training what would you do so for me i want i want to see a
3: plan i don't want a knee-jerk reaction of, I'm going to do this one workshop for all teachers. I want a plan. I need to see what what the long-term plan looks like. I want CPD to happen now, but I also want a commitment to what happens in the future in our schools in Brent, but also in terms of government policies, in terms of like council policies. I need to see a plan of action, and I don't expect it to happen today or tomorrow. I want you to really think about it, consider it, and work with people on the ground teachers work with young people work with the black community to ask us what we need
0: essentially work with what we've got so far and then build on top of that kind of like create an empire of like learning like a different learning environment different education environment right. like reformed education system essentially
1: I think it'd also be really interesting if you did a teacher swap. So teachers from different boroughs come, go to another borough and they teach. Because I think also yeah. you can say that they'd be unbiased, but I thought people still have biases. So I think just take people from, make them a bit more, teachers a bit more uncomfortable with it. Or maybe you do like a class swap or something. I don't know. I think it really needs to be so mixed and just spread, scaled. And everyone just needs to be a bit more comfortable with racism. So I think that'd be good. Definitely.
0: different boroughs have, like, different cultural experiences as well. So, like, you know, that would be amazing. Like, maybe a black teacher that comes from a different borough on the other side of London, or, like, maybe outskirts of London, they might not even think racism is as deep as, you know, what we think it is. So we've come, we've said this, and they might not even realise. I think that would be definitely... That That would actually make a very good programme, I think. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Ultimately, it would just be good to just see the... something put together, or a team, or an action plan similar to what Titania was saying, where it kind of breaks down, not who we'll be discussing, but what will be the topics? Because it's all good and well talking about racism, but what are we talking about in terms of, are we talking about racism, but educating them on the fact that a lot of Black people in Brent invented a lot of the stuff or did all of that? Like, what are we teaching? I think just adding something to even the history books, like we learn so much about the Tudors, like teach me about Brent's Black historians who did stuff, like that would be good to just kind of create, more in-depth topic plans and put them on exam mm. papers make them learn it like that like I remember my exams
3: I don't remember what I learned in history. They talk about famous black scientists or famous scientists but how many young people have heard of Maggie Pocock I mean why don't we know about these amazing black icons who are British you know what we should be celebrating that as well rather than yeah. So. To, what's the Thanks, main
1: sorry. what's the main argument against putting black history on the mainstream curriculum. Why, isn't it? Do you know
3: what that's been? I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. lots of excuses about it. It, it, it. Basically, the curriculum is set by the government, so it would yeah. require Boris Johnson's government to make a change. So <laughs> teachers will teach what they teach, and, but the, the curriculum is set by the government, so that, that it needs to happen there. So all of these pressure tanks, pressure think tanks that are happening and pressure groups that are saying to the government, we need to have this change. We need to be supporting them get get behind them push if you are a parent if you are you know you have brothers and sisters at school push get teachers to lobby we need to make this change
0: thank you everyone for coming on it's been lovely to talk to you thank you for having us thank you so much (laughs) thank you for inviting me Thank you for listening to VENT Weekly. This episode was produced by the VENT production team, Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid, and Ali Adlington. With help from Amanda Fernandez, Deandra Natalagawa and the Blueprint Collective. VENT is a collaboration between VICE and Brent 2020 London Borough of Culture.